of it when he opens your word to us. And so we ask that we will hear what you want to say to each one of us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, team. It's uh, always a, a delight and a privilege to share God's word with you. Uh, it really is an honor. And uh, I feel that acutely every time. So just thank you for that. It's also great to have my mate Don with me. Don and I have been hanging out for 22 years. Is that right? A long time. <laughs> I've been correcting his theology for that long. Yeah, it did, actually. Yeah, that's right. Um, a very dear friend. And Don is one of two people that Rivergate makes itself accountable to or invites to look over our shoulder. Uh, and he's doing that role particularly well right now. The other one, of course, is Dr. Chris Liu, uh, with whom I pray each week. I am currently on a Wednesday. So two magnificent people, and I hope they stick around for the future. For those who don't know, uh, and there wouldn't be many of you, we are currently going through the Beatitudes, uh, the Be Happy Attitudes. Uh, sorry about that. Um, not original, somebody else said that on a book. Chuck Swindle, I think it was, who said that. Um, and we are currently at number three, and here it is. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, to which the cynical world replies with the words of the oil tycoon Paul Getty, but the rich will inherit the mineral rights. <coughs> In their somewhat whimsical take on the Beatitudes, uh, Simon and Garfunkel sing a song called Blessed in their uh, 1966 album. Yes, you baby boomers, it was 1966, that long ago. Um, in their album Sounds of Silence, in which they sing, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed is the lamb whose blood flows. Blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, the ratted on. Uh, you may remember it. And uh, their song is a mix of the words of Jesus applied to the brutal reality of today. And it also reflects, I have to say, Art, Gunk, uh, Art Garfunkel's uh, complete confusion about the meaning of, of things and his confession that he finds institutional church completely alienating. Um, so it's a song of our time, isn't it, really? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It, so this uh, beatitude celebrates the quality of meekness, uh, a meekness that frees you from the tyranny of self so that you're able to serve others and be other-focused. It is an extraordinary quality, isn't it? Uh, we're not talking about bending low to be less than yourself. Uh, in the book David Copperfield, uh, which many of you have read, uh, written by Charles Dickens, of course. <laughs> In that book, there's a dreadful, hypocritical fellow called Uriah Heep. And his, his little phrase that he used to say all the time is, Oh, I'm ever so humble. I'm ever so humble. And, of course, he ends up being the big villain in the story. So it's not... A case of, uh, if you're meek, of, of denying yourself and, and being less than yourself. It's, that's not what meekness is. Um, godly meekness is not so much 
bending yourself low. It is choosing to stand tall as a child of God next to an infinitely big God and knowing that. <laughs> so it's being all that you're meant to be in God. Um, it's a selflessness. It's a giving to God um, and, and taking his heart and spirit so that it informs your relationship with others. Uh, it celebrates what Zephaniah says in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. On that day, you will not be put to shame for all the wrong you have done to me, because I will remove from this city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and the humble who trust in the name of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. Blessed are the meek. Not the first quality that comes to mind uh, to describe those who are considered blessed in our day. But Jesus typically, with his countercultural thinking, turns everything upside down and continues to teach us the revolutionary new attitudes to live by. And of course these fit in with all the other crazy cultural, uh, countercultural stuff he taught. The first will be last. If you want to live, you've got to die. Um, if you want to be great, you must first learn to be a servant. Uh, if you want to inherit all things, you need to be childlike. Uh, and it is a profound truth of Jesus. And it is highly significant that uh, Jesus, the king of all the earth and the heavens, describes himself as meek. Doesn't he? That beautiful verse in Matthew 11, which we know so well, let me read it to you. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. There it is. And you will find rest for your soul. So that's, that's the Lord that we can trust ourselves to. He's like that. That's the nature of our God. And so Jesus invites our trust by pointing to his gentle and humble nature. I was reflecting on uh, meekness. It's actually quite a powerful thing. Meekness. Because it invites relationship. It, when you're meek, you are imputing honor to the person, people that you're with. Because you're not trying to lord it over them and show off... It, <laughs> show off in any way so that they're put down. You are lifting them up and invites relationships. And as such, it builds community. It actually builds community. Meekness builds community. I like that. Certainly doesn't mean being cowardly, let me just say. Uh, <laughs> anyone who calls Herod Antipas, who beheaded John the Baptist in the formidable fortress of Mercurius on the east 
bank of the Dead Sea called Herod Antipas, that fox <laughs> is no coward. Anyone who takes on the religious authorities of his time and calls them you brood of vipers, Matthew 23, is no coward. Anyone who has the courage to single-handedly drive out all the merchants and money changers from the outer uh, temple court of the Gentiles is no coward. And anyone who voluntarily goes to Jerusalem knowing that he's going to be killed there so that he can die and take the blame for your sins and mine on a cross is no coward. So it's got nothing to do with being a coward. He was not weak. He was meek. Meekness, as I said, is being so free of your own ego that you are able to develop a servant heart that seeks the well-being of others. And that has got to be the way of the church because it is the way of Jesus. It takes strength to be meek. Being meek is a freely chosen attitude of humility and grace. Those who are meek are free from the insatiable demands of ego, power, wealth, and status. And as we've said, the perfect example is Jesus. He says in Luke chapter 22, doesn't he? He says, I come amongst you as someone who serves. I just love the words of Jesus, don't you? They're just the most beautiful, fabulous here is the one who was responsible for the creation of the world. Unimaginable wonder, the observable universe, 93 billion light years across and expanding exponentially quickly by a force we don't know. Lord of all that says he comes as one who serves. And the Apostle Paul picks up that quality of Jesus, describing in Philippians chapter 2 as the one who came with the very nature of a servant. So as I said, the God of all transcendent cosmic power chooses to be meek. We should have got a bit of a clue about that, though, shouldn't we, from the Jesus story? Um, you know, it's kind of significant that uh, the God of cosmic transcendence uh, decided to be born in a place where animals feed. That's a pretty... That'll get you thinking, wouldn't it? Yes, Nick? Yes, Nick? <laughs> Thought I was the only one here. You kind of get a clue about his meekness when he, God chose a bunch, a, a, a Palestinian subclass of people, the Palestinian shepherds, to rock up. At his birth, you, you kind of get a clue about the meekness of Jesus when God chooses his son to be born to a teenage peasant girl. When Jesus had no home 
of his own and had the minimum of possessions. And he had this extraordinary habit of washing his disciples' feet. <laughs> That's meekness, isn't it? What would it look like if the church was like that? Do you remember I talked with you about the, um, the guy in charge of the legal system in Singapore? Extraordinary fellow, Christian. And um, he'd been to, um, to give a, a lecture in a medium security prison in Changi in Singapore. And uh, uh, that was a bit of a riot. Uh, and he was walking with the chaplain, prison chaplain, through uh, the court where the juvenile prisoners were. Uh, and God whispered into his ear, see that young boy over there? One of the offenders. You, the most senior judge in Singapore, wash his feet. And the judge, legal fellow, he's probably got a Lord, Chief, High, Justice, whatever, I have no idea what he's called. He made, um, said, no, uh, I don't do that. Um, and then, then he had this sort of little war with God, you see. <laughs> Guess who won? <laughs> and then, so he said, ah, oh, I'll ask the chaplain. I said, I've got a feeling God might be telling me to wash the feet of that, that boy over there. What do you think? And the chaplain said, I think you better do what God says. <laughs> so he, he got down, he got organized for a bowl and sat and washed the feet. Well, People were watching him out the windows. They came all out into the courtyard, and in the end, he washed about 150 people's feet. And like he was there for hours. Now, they will never forget that. that. The most important legal person in Singapore, probably who'd put half of them in prison, was washing their feet. What would it look like if our church was like that? What would we get in the papers for? If we behave like that, the world teaches us to be selfish, to be concerned, concern ourselves with, I hate this thing, the most important person in the world. What? I hate that. It's the way of the world to insist on its own way, to tread on others, to get to the top, to develop the killer instinct, to believe that all is fair in love and war, to be merciless, to be tough and to insist on your own interests, to engage in whatever level of ruthlessness required in order to succeed, yet the God of heaven and earth commends meekness. And he, Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. And those who are meek... have a servant style of leadership. A servant style of leadership. I know this because my dear friend Don O has taught me this. Because he once taught me. I was not the best student. But he taught me a lot about servant leadership. At PCSA. So servant leaders are not self-serving, but others serving. Uh, it doesn't mean that their leadership is, is weak, by the way. It can be tough because if a servant leader sees someone not operating to their full potential or self-sabotaging, they will call it. They will name it. Let me talk to you 
about another significant truth, and that is this, that no one sees God without meekness. I mean, no one sees God without meekness. It's those with soft hearts towards God who see him. And the arrogant who think they know best will not. That's just a basic rule. Those who supplant God's principles with their own ideas are not meek. One of the most distressing programs I watch on TV, and I'm quite addicted to it, I don't watch much TV, but I do this, is Dr. Blake. And the theology in Dr. Blake is always appalling, and Christians are always hammered, and the church is always ridiculed. In Dr. It just is. It's just written by an anti-Christian person. And uh, you hear these phrases, you know, oh, the God I believe in would not do that. Actually, I'm not much interested in the God that you believe in. I'm not, you know, I, I like you, and I'll have a cup of tea with you, but I'm not much interested in the God that you believe in. Because the person sitting next to you probably believes in another God. And what am I I meant to do with that? What I'm interested in is the God that's true, actually. True. The God that's real. The God that's true. You can invent your own God and believe whatever you like. Fairies at the bottom of the garden, whatever it is. Melodician frog worship, tea leaf reading, whatever. Not the least bit interested. But the God who has chosen to reveal himself as who he really is. Wow, that I'm really interested in. The one who says, I come amongst you as one who serves. Because God loves the meek. And that's why God chooses to make it plain to them that they can count themselves blessed because of the reward that he has reserved for them. Those who have a servant heart, who prefer the others, will actually inherit. I love this. Inherit the whole earth. Happy Christmas. (laughs) What did you get for Christmas? I got the whole earth, actually. Why? Jesus said I was meek. Interesting, actually, talking of inheritance, because you don't get inheritance until you drop dead, do you? Hmm? Somebody else drops dead. Well, well, who's dropped dead? Um, You you won't actually inherit the whole earth until you drop dead uh, and get resurrected, actually. So, sorry, you're dead. Um, (laughs) Bang, bang. But you are quite right, Mary. Rather obviously, you have to die. But perhaps that's not the only death that has relevance. Jesus Christ was crucified and died and wonderfully resurrected from death. And we read that he will inherit all created things from his heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Colossians, makes this plain in the first chapter, that magnificent passage that that talks about who Christ is and the significance of his ministry. And Paul writes, All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. uh, Colossians 1, verse 16. So there you are. Everything was created by him, for him. and That's his inheritance. And here's the deal. If you are in Christ... You get to share it. If, you, if he inherits all things and you are in Christ, guess what? 
which calls for a syllogism, doesn't it? Whoever invented that word, syllogism? Such a gorgeous word. But here's the syllogism. Christ inherits all things. Meek Christians are in Christ. Therefore, Christians inherit all things. Thank you very much. God loves the meek. And God promises a great deal to those who reflect his character. Blessings come from a God who loves to give good gifts to his people. And the question is, of course, are you reflecting Christ's character in your own? Are we as a community reflecting Christ's character in our own. What would it look like if Rivergate really was known for this? It'd be good, wouldn't it? I couldn't keep away. So dear ones, here we have a most extraordinary countercultural statement of Jesus. And, and, and what he's saying is, you know, I am meek. I want that quality to be in you. And there's massive reward in it being so. Everything that is godly, good, and godlike comes from being meek. Not weak. Meek. So will you join me with a degree of passion as we say, Lord, we want to be like you because nothing else is going to rescue your reputation on this planet. Is that cool? Mm -hmm. Yes, Nathan. <laughs> oh, right. So let's pray. Father, it's been fabulous gathering around your word. And, and just to be soaked in your principles and and, and to see your truth, it's just fabulous. And, and we're just enriched by it. We love it. There's something in our heart that l leaps up and possesses it and says, yes, that's right, and I want that. And Lord, all of us are gathered here to say, we would love to faithfully reflect your character, to allow you to build your character in us so that the fruit of the Spirit are alive in us, so that we are powerful, attractive, and effective in prefiguring your kingdom on this planet. And so we pray, dear Lord, that you give us a passion to go after your character, including meekness. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that good?